0: Journal is brought to you by Treason. Don't just blend, become. Splitting image taxidermy. Thoughtful, thorough, thankful. Maxus tires, covering PHs over any terrain. Magnum archery. Black Widow broadheads, always deadly carbon core arrows 100% premium carbon PH2 box helping you make your own adventure okay guys well that's officially it uh the start of episode three uh sorry episode four on the journal uh thank you so much to everyone that has joined in um for those of you that don't know, and know I'm going to watch this from the YouTube or listen to it via any one of the social media platforms. I've decided to do a little bit of a live on, on my TikTok platform as well as incorporating it into my podcast. So I'm really excited about this episode. Um, there's a lot to discuss. I've based this episode on the Philadelphia so there's quite a cool bunch of topics that we'll get to discuss. Um, the more I did this, this episode, the more I I dived into the actual history of of how things were kind of worked out back in the day and it was really cool to relive um, so many great institutions and uh, great people that have blessed this country with such wonderful wildlife and of course uh, the past and present hunters that have preserved and conserved it. So it's been a really, really awesome journey over the past couple of weeks. Um, I'll dive into that a little bit now. Um, but first, just once again, just thank you to everybody that has supported me, um, I'm feeling incredibly blessed uh, over the past couple of weeks, so the amount of support I've got has been outstanding and I just, I can't thank you guys enough because it's, it's really been, it's kind of been a difficult period um, as far as uh, what my actual future holds for me, um, but at the same breath knowing I've got such wonderful people as a support system. And just guys following me, just sending me the, the the messages and stuff. It really goes a long way, and I'm I'm forever grateful for that. So, once again, just thank you to everybody that has supported me. I really really appreciate it. Well, guys, to dive into the episode four, um, it's been a difficult one for me, and you know, it's been one of those situations where I need to address it before it gets kind of out of hand, and I feel. What better way to use my platform to just make my followers and everybody else around me aware of what actually went down, what happened. Those of you that don't know, uh, I used to work for a safari company full-time, Hill Safaris. It's uh, owned by my uncle, um, Greg Harvey. Incredible man. Um, I've really got a lot of time and a lot of respect for him. Uh, I decided that earlier this season or this year after the shows, That things weren't kind of working out uh, permanently on the farm for me. I was just spending a lot of time away from my family um, and just doing the things that I really needed to focus more on. As far as PH Journals is concerned, likewise with the e-commerce store and everything like that. So, yeah, it was a very, very difficult uh, period and very difficult decision for me to make to leave the farm on a permanent basis. I loved it. I had a home there. My family enjoyed it. Um, We had chickens. (laughs) We had a whole bunch of things and I met such wonderful, wonderful people. It's a a great institution and I don't take my time there for granted. I learned so much and yeah, I'm just going to take those sort of life lessons with me. What has happened is the developments that have come from that is that unfortunately I won't be doing any freelance work for Hunters Hill Safaris anymore. Uh, That's purely just based on um, Uncle Greg's uh, personal preference. Uh which I respect, I really do um like I said, Uncle Greg since I was a kid, I've had so much time for him, and i really i enjoy his company he's a great man he's he's got a lot a lot to offer um and he's done so many great things for our institution and our wildlife and um our industry he really has, and I'm really, really grateful for that, unfortunately, um his views and perspectives on how things went down. Um, won't afford me the opportunity to hunt there anymore which i'm fine with that and i do uh, you know i've got to share the utmost respect to that and and i do i love the institution i loved uh, working there it was a great great setup great environment great quality animals and i'll forever be grateful for that so once again i just want to take this opportunity to say a very thank you to uncle greg and hunters hill safaris and everybody that worked there all the friendships that developed over the years Uh, I've been a freelance there for 12 years which is incredible and pretty much set me up to where I am today. So, just from my side personally, just a huge thank you to him and and Hunters Hill, thank you so much. Uh, Unfortunately, the road has come to an end but exciting things are are, are on the horizon and I'm really stoked to get into it. So yeah, before before we touch on the fellow deer side of things, um, those of you that don't know, I run my own little e-commerce store uh, for professional hunters. By professional hunters and I've had so much fun doing it and just once again thank you to everybody that has supported me. It's PH Toolbox for those of you that haven't seen it yet head along there. Your support will obviously be hugely grateful and remember that all PH Journal's merchandise um, will 10% of the profits will be donated to Rhino Conservation something I'm really really passionate about and I'm excited to give back uh, to industry that's looked after me for so long. So yeah and uh, as far as the rest is concerned, well, there's a lot of things in the pipeline. There really are, and thanks to you guys, I've, I've thrown up a couple of well, thrown up a couple of ideas, and you know the the utmost support has come from it, and, and guys offering their um, their involvement as far as getting you know getting my own outfitting business going and all that sort of stuff. Those are all on the cards, uh, but for now, I just really want to enjoy my time uh, being a PH. Uh, searching the industry, doing things that I've never done before, like scouting out different areas, going to see different people, and uh, just do more podcasts and everything like that. I, I really, it's 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 a fun fun industry, and I don't see why we can't capitalize as much as possible on it. So yeah, from my side, that's where I am at this point. Just gonna try and have as much fun as I possibly can, and hopefully that can filter through to you guys. So from my side that's my plan so far and hopefully there will be a lot more developments as far as ph journals is concerned for the future yeah guys so once again everyone that is joining on the live thank you so much um i really i really appreciate it and uh um, welcome and uh to those of you guys that are listening on this podcast we're going to dive into the Philadelphia side of things well guys those of you that don't know um Fellow deer aren't indigenous to South Africa, yeah, I'm not right, shock, shock, <laughs> no, but um deer were, were introduced into South Africa and the reason why I'm doing this episode, number one, is because it's a great animal and a great species to hunt in South Africa, um, as well as their introduction into the dark continent was quite an interesting one and I've done a little bit of diving and a little bit of research and it's still uncertain how they actually got here. And, um yeah, so I want to dive in with a couple of theories that that I personally have what I could have found on the internet, and yeah, we just sort of figure our way out in personal perspective, personal opinions will have um, what they believe or what you guys might figure of the whole thing so yeah it's it's it 's a really interesting animal, and I highly suggest if you guys are looking to come over and do a do a safari in South Africa, especially this time of the year because of course, March, April's uh usually known for the, the rat season. If you guys are gonna plan to come out in this sort of time, well you're coming out at the right time to hunt a fellow deer. So get your asses into the into the bush and, and do a bit of grunting and clapping some antlers around like that and bag yourself a really really nice African species deer and which is which is cool. So to introduce a fellow deer, we sort of kind of have to find out where the whole origin of the whole thing comes from and, and the history behind it. So, my dad was a history buff and I really enjoyed listening to some of his theories that he came up on a personal uh, note. But, um yeah, so I just listening to him. Oh, no. I told you guys. Sorry. For those of you that are listening on Spotify... Uh, or any one of the, the platforms where my podcast is, I'm at home, so you're going to hear a lot of hooting, dogs barking, and a whole lot of things going around, you know, so just bear with me while while we get that out of the way. Cool, so, the introduction, obviously, the fellow deer, the species we've got here, typically came from Europe, most importantly came from the UK. Um, so, the reason why obviously we'll get into that a little bit later but just just uh, some of the the history behind the uk settlers or the european settlers that we know today uh, other than the dutch um they settled in the cape in 1820 uh, they later migrated or not migrated they were pushed uh, to settle in port elizabeth i think the new name now of kabeja um where the reason why they came to South Africa and Africa alike is obviously uh, due to the spice trade. Uh, the Dutch sort of controlled that, that industry and in, in the passing by uh, past Cape Town. Um, but I'm going to try and pronounce this. The Napoleonic Wars uh, created a lot of unemployment in in UK. So, there were a lot of people looking for work uh looking to settle somewhere else where they can find work and service the government service the the union jack, which was quite an interesting fact. We dived into it a little bit and um <clears throat> yeah the the reason why they came here was just to pretty much share the the um, the country with the rest of you know the process the zulus the the Dutch and those sort of things as far as farming's concerned so they they wanted to apply their trade in farming. Um, And later they found it was a really lucrative business as far as the wool was concerned. So that created a whole new aspect. Um, I got this. uh, The reference to this was off the SA History website. Um, And then they later they were pushed from the shores inland uh, towards the Winterberg, uh, you know, from Grahamstown into the Winterberg Bedford. Uh, Queenstown, these areas later into the Stormberg where um, a couple of weeks ago or days ago I posted there, uh the pretty cool photos I took of the old forts uh, that were planned out along the railway <clears throat> where um, the British would use these forts to ambush the Dutch uh, railway carts to uh, hijack supplies and uh, stuff like that for for the war that went on the, the Boer War but that was a little bit later on but obviously the English pushed into those sort of settlements, the Stormberg, Maltino, those sort of areas. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much where the history of the settlers sort of started. And and the reason why the settlers are so important, because um, in theory one, uh, I'll get into the two different theories now, They it was believed that they had brought um, the fallow deer into these sort of sections of South Africa. And the reason was, so theory one, <coughs> Fellow deer only recorded uh, the, the last bit of history that I could find on them was that they sort of arrived in South Africa during the 1840s uh, so the settlers arrived in 1820 um, the earliest one I could find of fallow deer were the 1840s, 1860s so there were fallow deer around those sort of times um, which makes it in- interesting, so the very one um, I had a, a read on ROL history um, and the settlers used them. So the settlers found when they came out, so there were 4,000 sent from the UK government uh, the first time. And only 1,200 of them made it to South Africa. A lot of them died from shipborne diseases like scurvy, rickets, that sort of stuff. So they needed to understand that because of the boat travel they needed to have uh, large supplements of of food that could supplement them against these sort of diseases which was kind of interesting Um, and one of them they found was lack of iron and obviously you get a lot of iron from venison so the the europeans the queen um, specifically uh, and the royal family had a lot of fallow deer based on, on their concessions, their estates because it was uh, hunting in, in Europe or in those days were looked at as being quite a larny fancy thing um, which, was, which was cool um, and therefore fallow deer were extremely easy to manage hanging out in the pine forests and that sort of stuff. Um, they found that those deer were extremely easy to handle. Uh, it was kind of like a sheep during a certain periods of time it was easy to get them into crawls uh, or or runs as they used to call them, um, where they could manage them easily and, you know, dip them or do whatever uh, care they needed to do to them. So it was easy for them to, to transcend these animals onto the ships uh, and utilize them for, like I said, for food. So they would keep them live on the ships, slaughter them fresh. Obviously there were no fridges and that sort of fancy stuff in those days. Um, and that's one of them. So once they got over to South Africa, they offloaded the animals, started farming the animals like sheep. Um, and obviously sheep was huge. The, the settlers introduced it into South Africa, which was a, a massive thing. And, and obviously fellow deer having the same sort of body mass as sheep made it easy for them to negotiate themselves around the whole thing, which is cool and um, so that's theory one is it came over with ships um, and they utilized it as 4-4 iron um, to combat some of the diseases that were born on the ships and then since then obviously the way South Africa is laid out especially those of you that have hunted in the Eastern Cape the Winterberg is in a beautiful area where they will thrive uh, head over heels It's pretty similar to uh, the English Highlands um, is what I can imagine um, So they did really really well there and obviously the more the better they did the migrated more um, And that's why you found them in a lot of our areas over here because there was a huge uh, English settlement um, Pushing up from Grahamstown through Queenstown into the Stormberg area. So that's the one theory um, That's kind of my favorite one to be honest with you if I had to choose between the two of them and the reason being is Is that it just made more sense? Um, You'll see when I get to theory number two, um, the difference, the huge difference in in the history of these two animals and and the records we've got is that theory one obviously um, supplied huge numbers of these deer into into South Africa, whereas theory two, there were only a mention of a couple of them. So theory two, getting into it, um, just a quick brief history, obviously after all the settlers came in. in power that time in the UK was Queen Victoria um, and she sent, she decided that they've sent large uh, British contingencies to South Africa um, to set up these these stations for the trade and all that sort of stuff so she needed to somehow monitor this and somehow uh, get a little bit of feedback now obviously uh, time is a huge issue because you're traveling by boat So, uh, she sent uh, contingency, or she sent, um, she didn't send herself, she didn't, you know, the royal family weren't sure uh, what to suspect down in the Dark Continent, because they haven't heard anything back, Um, again, reference to this was from IOL uh, history, so what they did is uh, they decided to send a party, a royal party, chosen by the Queen, Queen Victoria, and in the party was a 15 year old son, uh, Prince Alfred, which was quite cool. Um, he was an avid hunter uh, in the States, so he obviously not knowing that there was hunting in South Africa, he bit at the opportunity to make his way down and he of course did. He settled uh, obviously back in Port Elizabeth and drove down through the had a whole um, set-up and, and, these dogs <clears throat> so they had a whole setup and um uh like a what would you call it uh, uh a party they had this party that would that drove with them uh, obviously horse carts and all of that and they drove through the Grahamstown areas obviously during this period of time he had brought a lot of resources with him and fellow deer were one of them. Now fellow deer, like I said back in the, in, the, in uh, back in time, uh, it, was a, it was a royal benefit or a royal privilege to have these sort of animals on your estate. So it was a really sought after animal. Uh, again, this is theory too. Um, so he brought these animals along with him and obviously made his way down. And I know once they got into Queenstown, uh, we had a lot of things gifted that time of the year. Uh, we were gifted swans, we were gifted roses. Uh, if you drove through Queenstown in that period of time, even even as late as the early uh, 80s, 70s, now today's time, uh, we have beautiful roses, red, white and blue roses, well, not blue roses, but red and white roses all the way down our streets in the middle aisles, everything. So these, these were gifts brought over by the UK royal family uh, to say thank you to the settlers that had settled here and sort of established the stronghold on South Africa and uh, of course once they got here apparently the story goes that they met up with uh, a colonel uh, of the British uh, Defence Force in Stormberg where he handed over these fallow deer and since then they have been thriving in the area which is kind of believable Um, I think uh, as far as theory number two goes, uh, like I said, you've got to understand that the mass of animals that these people, sorry, excuse me, Uh, hay fever this time of the year with all the pollen. Um, So they were limited to bringing out as many animals as they possibly could. So you've got to understand the volume of fellow deer we have in our region now just obviously built up over, what's it, 200 years now, two, yeah, almost 200 years, is is a huge thing. So, for us, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, to build these sort of numbers up over 200 years, it's possible, but with all the predators and stuff that we had, that sort of time of the year, you know, it could, it could have been easy for them to be sitting ducks, you know, they didn't know what a lion was, they didn't know what leopards were, and when we see those sort of animals roam these sort of areas right up until, you know, the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, you know, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the two theories, so you can sort of base your decision on which one to believe, or, like I said, these are just sort of based on, on visual records and stuff, you know, theory two could be tied in with theory one, Um, it just, it really, it goes, uh, just, it's, it's just, they both make incredible sense, so, yeah that's just a little bit of history uh for the fellow deer as far as hunting them is concerned it's definitely one of my favorite animals to hunt Uh, i recently started archery and i've had so much fun doing it so yeah it's been it's been a journey it really has and and it's been cool to to be a part of this this whole thing because getting in the rat one of my biggest dreams is to go over to colorado or somewhere in the states on an elk hunt and just to hear them bugle would be for me uh the ultimate you know so yeah we don't have that we've got the grunting and the the smashing and the females uh you know uh or what's it you yeah, know they give out that little uh delicate squeak um so that's 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 our adrenaline pump as far as uh, deer's concerned which is cool that's cool we, we've got nothing else like it so yeah, very, very privileged to be able to share that sort of stuff and uh, and, and do that sort of stuff. I've I've got a bunch of couple or well, couple of great places to go and hunt these animals. And I'm looking forward to, to getting out in the bush from next week and pursuing them, you know. So, yeah, interesting time of the year um, for us, the rats now. So normally we wait for the first cold spell. It's been raining now a little bit, so I doubt they'll go into rat now. But some of my, <coughs> so some of the theories go as far as the hunters are concerned. Um, so the areas, so we got sweet and very sour felt. Yep, yeah, and we're back. Uh, so yeah, like I was saying, we've got we've got sweet and sour felt. So uh, the theory is is that the the deer that are in the sweeter felt, uh, we've just come out of a really bad drought towards the sweeter side of things, um, but they'll tend to pick up. Condition a lot better, the female does, uh, which will put them into heat a lot quicker, um, and vice versa with the sour side of things. The the, the does are going to go into heat a little bit later. It takes a lot for them to get the nutrients out of the sour, sour side, um, which is understandable. Uh, I'm not sure how true that theory is, it's something I believe in. Um, so, yeah, and then some of the things you, lo- you look for is what is the moon doing? You know, if it's full moon, uh, they're going to wrap more during the night. So, what sort of time of the the day are you going to be starting to set yourselves out? And then, um, obviously, where do you start? Uh, do you start around watering holes. Uh, you know, you got to you got to look for salt on scraping on the trees, uh, that you know, scraping on the ground and stuff. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am as far as hunting for idea. Um, uh, I I love it. I just love getting out there, hearing them grunts and stuff. I bought a the grant from Cabela's last year. Um, I don't know if it's quite the same. It's taken me a couple of YouTube videos to to learn how to do it properly, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It really is, and that's that's the one point of of hunting fellow deer the hunting deer alike, I guess it's it's to figure out that point of time in their breeding season and to try and capitalize on it. You know, try and outsmart them. It's all part of the the, the hunt, and that's that's the exciting side of things. So yeah, it's been incredible experience to try and see the pre-rut uh how they do it and scraping all the velvet off their horns and stuff This happened a couple of weeks ago so yeah it's been a really 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 it's a special time of the year for south africans and yeah i, I suspect in the next week or so they're going to go into full rut uh, especially with some of the cold weather that we predicted for the next couple of weeks uh we've had a lot of rain which i thought might start it off um but I think not. Uh I think they're gonna hang out until there's full moon uh first in, in, on Easter weekend, which I think might be the the optimum time to be out in the bush. So a lot of us, a lot of us South Africans have we've missed out on the opportunity thanks to lockdown. Um but yeah, it's uh it's 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 a cool time of the year, so we're definitely gonna utilize this opportunity to get out there more and, and try and do as much as we possibly can. Well, guys. Um, yeah I think that's pretty much everything I can touch on as far as Philadelphia is concerned I was hoping there was a little bit more interaction on the live uh, where people could ask me a little bit more questions about it but yeah it's an exciting time and uh, I just encourage a lot of you guys who are planning your safari definitely you'll always keep coming back to South Africa so definitely keep this time of the year open uh, one year out of it and uh, make the most of it find the right spots eastern Cape for for the best Uh the more north you go, the more you're going to go into the breeding stock, uh, which is not as authentic as what it is down here. You know, yeah, we do a lot of wood hunting. Uh, so in the forests, in the pine forests, you know, uh, doing a lot of calling and, and just listening, spotting, glassing, that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's where that's where most of our our skills and stuff get put to the test up north. Uh, the Bloemfontein Joburg Pretoria areas there you're gonna you're gonna shoot the breeding stock of, of South Africa which is, is, is you know there's, there is, there's a market for it and, and there's a place in the industry for it but um, unfortunately for me that wants the, the true reflection the true spirit of the whole thing hunting in the Eastern Cape is by far the best best situation so yeah um, once again just a huge shout out to everybody that's backed me uh Giving me a lot of advice, uh, all the likes, all the comments, just everything. It's been so great to interact with you guys. I feel extremely privileged, and um, yeah, and and extremely grateful for for this wonderful opportunity that I get to share uh, my life and and uh, my passion with the rest of the world. So yeah, if you guys haven't, I would love for you guys to, if you're watching this, obviously on YouTube hit the subscribe button, turn on the notifications. If you enjoyed this episode, drop a thumbs up. Um, And yeah, we've got our our episode out uh, on the water buffalo with Alan Denner. Uh, We're working hard on the next couple of episodes. I'm hoping to get one out this week uh, where I can share that on YouTube for you guys. And yeah, just excited about the next couple of weeks, the journey that's going to take me on. So uh, yeah, can't wait to share it with you guys. Well, until then, if you are, Happy hunting. Until then, we'll catch up with you guys. Stay safe, stay blessed, stay humble. We'll see you guys soon. Cheers.